Welcome to Beijing's Daily News. Today is the 19th of September, 2022. We'll be covering potential exploits for GMX, realistic yields, the new creative playbook, the White House framework on crypto, Vitalik's take on layer 3s, and emoji ENS. Let's get to it. On September the 3rd, Major Whale discussed has GMX built a viable system for the long run on his personal Twitter. Zero price impact platforms like GMX opened themselves up for price manipulation exploits and it is why GNS has moved away from this model several months ago. GMX allows you to long Ethereum with $52 million while not moving the price of Ethereum at all. It then also allows you to short Ethereum with 20 million again with no price impact. So a big Ethereum whale who is familiar with GMX can simply buy 50 million of Ethereum via GMX, then go to a couple of the big central exchanges like Binance and FTX and buy up say 40 million dollars worth of Ethereum on these exchanges and move the price roughly 2% up. Their average central exchange buy price will probably be around $1,570 for their $40 million worth of Ethereum. Then they could close their $50 million worth of GMX long for a $1 million profit and open a $20 million Ethereum short on GMX. Then sell their $40 million worth of Ethereum back to the central exchanges and close their short position for another $400,000 in GMX profit. The sell price will probably be a bit lower than for buying, say an average of 1560 and they would have fees on those central exchanges as well as on GMX. But this $10 gap will only cost them about 250k and the central exchange fees probably another 80,000 and GMX fees 140,000. Thus, I will estimate the costs of this price manipulation to be below 500,000. Yet the total return will be around 1.4 million for a total profit of 900,000 in mere minutes. And they can do this over and over until the GLP is drained from a lot of the Ethereum. This would have been very, very bad. On September the 18th, DeFi Man published an article titled Hashtag Realistic Yield Separating the Wheat from the Chaff in Mirror. The following are the main points of the text. Liquidity mining programs to bootstrap adoption were popularized through 2020 with great success and contributed to shed light into the potential of decentralized finance. It was a cost-efficient way to incentivize liquidity providers and users and it has extensively been used across the board to the point that almost every protocol out there has used it or continues to do so. Main problem this model presents is that inflationary assets tend to trend lower over time due to the constant sell pressure and magical internet coins are not an exception to the rule. As such, investors have a preference for yields being paid in majors like BTC, Ethereum and stables than protocol native tokens that allows them to estimate with a bigger degree of certainty the return of their strategies. In this context, a good deal of projects have launched in the past year distributed part of the protocol profits in majors to token holders, stakeholders and lockers and the hashtag real yield narrative was coined with a great welcome amongst retail investors as clearly is beneficial for them that the money goes to the holders instead of VCs. 
Recently, some legitimate pushback has been done arguing that most of these protocols are not even net profitable if the value of the emissions are discounted as costs and as such this real yield is neither realistic nor sustainable. I agree with this stance. In fact, after analyzing their profit and revenue models, we found that only two of the top 20 DeFi protocols are truly profitable, GMX and X2Y2. On September 26, Li Jing released a research report titled The New Creator Playbook, Jumpstarting Communities Through Tokens on Every.co. The following are some of the views in the article. Web3 has inverted the traditional online content creation model. It's a paradigm shift that will have significant implications on how creator work gets done, how broader followers relate to the work of creators, and how creator ecosystem functions as a whole. This isn't the first time the creator playbook has seen an update. Pre-internet, creators conceived of their content, then pitched that content to institutions such as record labels, book publishers, TV studios, etc., who had the power to decide what got made. Creators then gave up significant creative control and a substantive chunk of future earnings in exchange for upfront funding and distribution of their work. With the rise of Web2 user-generated content platforms, a new pathway to creative work emerged. Creators were able to publish their work online to platforms like Instagram and TikTok and reach audiences directly. As their audience grew, various monetization paths became available including advertising, brand sponsorships, subscriptions, and merchandising. In the early days of a network or of a creator's journey, the token provides a supplemental source of utility for the audience. Tokens are helping creators to fund their work upfront, but in many instances, tokens serve as shelling points for an audience to even form in the first place. With the incentive alignment afforded by a token, those audiences became active co-creators and stakeholders with an incentive to guide and shape the work and evangelize it. On September the 17th, KOL Nisha took to Twitter to discuss the first framework for crypto regulations released by the White House. It has been developed in collaboration with government agencies over the past six months and focuses on six key elements. Consumer protection, safe access, financial stability, responsible innovation, financial leadership, and tackling illicit finance. Regulators like the SEC and CFTC are encouraged to investigate mistrustful behavior from DeFi platforms. Financial Literacy Education Commission will raise clear awareness on the risks involved in the space to avoid misinformation. Safe access which bridge the gaps of TradeFi, the framework will promote instant secure payment systems including cross-border money transfer. Instant payment system will follow global payment practices and also be agile with respect to operating on multiple platforms. Non-bank payment providers will be regulated and the ecosystem will be inclusive and accessible to all. It will greatly benefit the underserved and non-banked. Tackling illicit finance, US Department of Justice will amend existing banking criminal laws to prosecute digital assets. The Treasury will present an illicit finance risk assessment on DeFi by February 2023 and one on NFTs by July 2023. They will address issues such as AML, CFT, etc. 
In addition to these, the USA is working on introducing its CBDC, which will protect consumer interest, boost economic growth and financial inclusion, protect the monetary system, and also improve payment infrastructure and provide interoperability with other platforms. On September the 17th, Vitalik Buterin published an article titled, What Kind of Layer 3s Make Sense? The following is part of the content. One topic that often re-emerges in Layer 2 scaling discussion is the concept of Layer 3s. If we can build a Layer 2 protocol that anchors into Layer 1 for security and adds scalability on top, then surely we can scale even more by building a Layer 3 protocol that anchors onto Layer 2 for security and adds even more scalability on top of that. We can compress the article down to three visions of what L3s are for. L2 is for scaling, L3 is for customized functionality, for example, privacy. In this vision, there is no attempt to provide scalability squared, rather there is one layer of the stack that helps applications scale, and then separate layers for customized functionality needs of different use cases. L2 is for general purpose scaling, while L3 is for customized scaling. Customized scaling might come in different forms. Specialized applications that use something other than the EVM to do their computation. Rollups whose data compression is optimized around data formats for specific applications, including separating data from proofs and replacing proofs with a single snark per block entirely, and so forth. L2 is for trustless scaling, such as rollups, while L3 is for weakly trusted scaling, validiums. These are some of the suggestions that were made. On September the 18th, KOL Pastry tweeted about Emoji ENS. Each ENS domain has a three-car requirement. Many anons are trying to take advantage of the scarcity of three to four characters of ENS domains. The floor for three-digit ENS names is now at 32.5 Ether, simply because there are only 999 domains available. Taking it a step further, Anons have begun obtaining 4-digit domains like 777.eth because there are only 10,000 possible 4-digit domains. At first, it wasn't believed to be possible to have a single emoji as an ENS domain. This is because there is a 3-character limit or minimum for all ENS domains. However, with a loophole, this can be done. To see how this works, let's break down what an emoji actually is. Each emoji can be broken down into specific code points. Code points are represented as hexadecimal numbers and help tell browsers which design graphics to display. For example, the emoji crying laugh has a singular code point of U plus 1F602. If its own little character in the Unicode library makes up the emoticon and tells the software what to display, hypothetically, a user could register crying face, crying face, crying face, dot eth. But it will not be possible to register crying face, dot eth because the emoji has a singular code point and therefore does not meet the three character minimum for the ENS domains. However, with a concept known as a zero width joiner introduced to Unicode in 2018, things get a lot more interesting. A zero width joiner is a Unicode character that joins two or more other characters together in sequence to create a new emoji. A ZWJ is not an emoji and has no appearance by itself and is an invisible character when used alone. Why does this matter to us? Well, with two emojis and a zero width joiner character, we suddenly meet our minimum character requirements for ENS names.
That means certain emojis that displays as a single character are available to us 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 3. There are only 1353 emojis that are made up of 3 or more base Unicode characters this way, but only ever display one character. Although they appear as just one emoji visually to us, they technically qualify as compliant ENS domain names, and they work. To continue hearing more, please subscribe to beachingventure.substack.com for daily newsletter and follow Twitter account Beaching Ventures to hear the rest. This is Celine from Beaching Ventures. Thank you for listening and we will see you tomorrow.